podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Everybody's negative. The whole squad's negative, bar two players. Out of, I think that's remarkable, and I think it totally blows out of the water the way the trip, the way the the training camp has been portrayed by certain quarters of the media, by certain pundits, and by certain government officials as well. We did not abuse any privilege. We did the right things. We were absolutely, totally professional. We had a little drink in the afternoon on a day off, completely allowed, no law-breaking, yet no, we come back to this barrage of absolute hypocrisy. So the plot in the new adventures of Celtic took another unexpected twist last week as one of the main characters was struck down by COVID-19 on his holidays, leading to the absence of 13 key players for two must-win games. Needless to say, those must-wins turned into didn't-wins and Celtic have now picked up just two points from nine in January so far. Neil Lennon has since come out swinging and has defended the trip whilst also revealing another squad member has now contact- contracted the virus. Separate to all of this, we're now over halfway through the January transfer window with absolutely no signs of activity. But don't worry, as Vacuum Bio continues to troll us by getting a goal and an assist in his team's 2-0 win at the weekend. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange, this is Tino and helping me rake through the calls of this week's binfire are Miff and Kenny. Miff, I don't know where to start, so I'll let you kick off proceedings for us while I go and greet in the corner. Where to start indeed, I think Neil Lennon's picked the wrong battle. You listen to him there, it's almost a, well, as a justification of the trip itself without really realising that the trip itself shouldn't have happened. point has been made today and I've actually made it myself. That type of passion could have been put to better use in the squad or with the squad in earlier parts of the season. I mean, it seemed we were very meek and tame and just allowing the, the poor form to kind of drift and, and continue. And it's took an issue like this, which has certainly been extremely divisive for the club and its fans. After Loyal coming out apologising, we seem to have the manager coming out and completely disregarding that apology and going straight for the jugular. And what he's doing, he is completely entitled to do because his bugbear seems to be around how the trip has been portrayed. You know, like it was just one big party, like they were just out there kind of boozing when it was a professional winter training camp and that and that's fine. But the more pertinent point is they shouldn't have been out there in the first place and, and I think that's how the majority of fans feel. It seems that the manager in his 10 days of isolation has not really taken the time to kind of maybe get a sense of that and has come out absolutely swinging and to me, dare I say, it seems like the actions of a man that knows his time's up. It just seems like a, you know, if you're talking about your, your charm offensive in terms of your, you know, your apologising last week through Peter Lowell, Lenny's completely been that with what he said today and it just seems so disjointed as if the two of them haven't even coordinated that between themselves and you wonder do they speak you know obviously they, they, they must speak but there's it's so disconnected it's unbelievable what's your take Kenny? I had said on the previous podcast that I didn't have a huge issue with Dubai well, <laughs> revisionism <laughs> coming up uh, I'm not going to dwell any and double down I had formed that opinion on naively on the assumption that a full in-depth risk reward analysis had been carried out and that if we were going to go ahead with it they would take every precaution to mitigate that risk. Now in hindsight we know that Christopher Julian, a player that was injured for three to four months, was taken on the trip. So someone sanctioned that and 
I'm struggling to to find words other than just shambles to 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 sum it up. Where it leaves us now is since Dubai, the aftermath of it. You've had Lowell, uh, as you said, apologise, and then Lennon just completely rip that up. There's it's much like we are on the park just now, where it's just disjointed and it's dysfunctional, and there's no there's no cohesion and there's no togetherness, and that's goes from the fans to the club and everything just now. Yeah, a serious disconnect across the board. My own brother described Lenny today as a mix uh, somewhere between Trump and Kevin Keegan, and I don't think it was a, a positive endorsement in terms of, decent. Decent. <laughs> of the rant. Uh, I'd love it if we went to Dubai and uh, got COVID. Somewhere in between Charles Green giving interviews in, in the hospital bed to Kachinya and a hedge. That's, yeah. that's the level of banter, banter years we're at just now. It somewhere seems around. Like. You also wonder, you know, how much that message from Lenny uh, this afternoon was just off the cuff. You know, as you said, if it was a... Not in a good way, unfortunately, but it was a bit of the old Lenny in terms of, you know, the, the kind of passion and fire, but you wished he'd brought that this season to the Sparta Prague game and the first Rangers game, for example, not to a presser yep. when everyone's, you know, against the club and, and dismayed at what's going on. It just seems like the right passion, but in the completely wrong setting. This season's been an odd season. It's been an odd season in the sense that, you know, COVID's meant every game's been played behind closed doors and restrictions have had to be adhered to with the players and officials but it's also been an odd season being a Celtic fan because the performances have just been so out of sync with what we've been used to over the past four or five years what seems to be making it odder for Celtic fans is that an extremely well-run club and it is regardless of what your own personal thoughts are and, and Lawwell and his, the power that he has at Celtic and the fact that he's a de facto director of football and all those things the club itself is well run and is in a financially very strong position it's therefore very odd that on an almost daily basis you're picking up your phone and looking at news or Twitter or a WhatsApp group, and you're going, oh no, 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 another one. Every other day. And today I was sitting working away in the house, and I could not quite believe what I was watching or what I was reading, and it's actually got to the point now where I'm kind of just laughing. Yeah. But I think it's almost a delirious type of laugh, where that if I actually did sit and track back everything that's went wrong this season and think about it too greatly, I probably would, as a grown man, start crying. The fact that this season has went so awry just makes me think, well, surely now, more than ever, is the time for action. But we did post-match or from the Livy game. I was a wee bit excited because I thought, right, that'll be the catalyst for change. A couple of days later, we're now dealing with the fallout for that. I think, if anything, was, you know, I thought there was already final nails in the coffin with regards to Lennon's second tenure as, as Celtic manager. But surely that today, if, if accepted by the club, means that Lennon is going to stay in position to the end of the season. If they back him on this, then that just means the fans are being completely disregarded altogether. That nobody, nobody within Celtic is actually acknowledging how the fans feel. Yeah, and no no manager should be able to come out in a presser and completely uh, dismiss what his CEO has said only days prior. You don't you don't and shouldn't survive that. And it's just madness to come out with that kind of statement. What do you think it means now for Neil Lennon, Kenny? I don't know whether this is some sort of desperate attempt to try and keep his job or not, but he's totally, as you say, he's totally broke rank. It just doesn't look good. It looks, it's like, just looks like it's in, he's now in the embers of his management career at Celtic. And I think the rumours are doing, you know, that are doing the rounds is it'll be, Wednesday will be his last game. And I, I wouldn't be surprised now if that was the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd suggested, as you say, if we'd done the post match on Saturday night after Livy, and I said it was going to be a very important 24, 48 hours ahead for Celtic. Now, being the optimist, I thought maybe we'll get an announcement, maybe there'll be a change, maybe there'll be something positive, and lo and behold, we get more nonsense thrown at us. Do you think Lenny will be in charge on Wednesday night? I, I think he will, but what's the point in having him in charge? Because the likelihood is he's not going to be manager next season, regardless of what happens, saving the fact that we, we win the league, but I think we can all roll that out, right? Aye, aye, aye. Eddie Howe has been touted as the new manager. The, the, the one issue I've got with that is 
Eddie Howe previously managed Burnley and left Burnley because he couldn't settle in the north. He's a southern southern lad, went back to, to Bournemouth after that. I'm no geography teacher, but um, Glasgow is some way considerably further north than, than Burnley. So what would the plan be there? We don't want to go back down another route of somebody coming up three days a week and thinking about, you know, the job just doesn't lend itself to that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if how would take the job on that on that basis if you remove how for the equation genuinely who, who is there i don't know and you know people had put that challenge out a number of weeks and months ago when people were initially calling for lenny to step aside and somebody was saying well, well who's going to come in and, and replace him it's not our jobs as fans to come up with those answers of truth be told we'll always speculate and people read too much into the fact that you know the bookies odds the bookies odds you know how it works if people are getting excited and betting on things that brings the odds in but really there's no way that that information is accurate but it's not our job as fans to say who it should be if not anyhow no but you're in a position where you you speculate in, in this particular position that we're in, it's almost the only wee glimmer of hope that you've got is the thought that somebody coming in and reinvigorating the squad. Which brings me back to my point about the uh, speculation on the on the manager. The reason we were so disappointed after the, the treble treble was won it wasn't necessarily the fact that Lennon got the job. It was more the fact we were expecting Benitez and there was genuine chat. Uh, I think this is 100%. I have absolutely no proof of this. <laughs> it's just a feeling. If Lennon stays in situ at the end of the season... That would suggest to me it's going to be Steve Clark. Just to see out the Euros and, and yes. whatever's going on there. It wouldn't be the move that I would go for, but it would be better than the status quo, in my opinion. I'm just going to pick up on something as well that the three of us chatted through on a WhatsApp group the other day. So talking about those who say that how's unrealistic and a manager of his calibre you know, wouldn't even consider somebody like Celtic. There's a, there's a few key points or key reasons why I think somebody like how, if not how himself, would be interested. Number one is the salary. So out-of-work managers have got bills to pay like anybody else and the salary on offer, you know, we've proven we can push the boy out when it comes to guys like Brendan Rodgers. So there's a couple of quid there to be to be looked at, first and foremost, and that's that's the business we're in, that's football. Second thing is a chance to win silverware. So guys like Eddie Howe and others that have operated at that side of the you know, the football world, yeah, he's won promotion and stuff, but he's not never genuinely competed for titles, for Scottish Cups, for anything like that. So silverware can be attractive to add to your CV. One very genuine... Um, attraction is European football. Eddie Howe, I believe, is a real tactician, a real student of the game, but he's never had the chance to pit his wits against anybody of calibre on the European stage. And when you continue to operate at clubs, certainly of Bournemouth's level and, and maybe slightly above, I don't know, Watford and teams around that kind of level, you're never going to get that chance. So that's something that could be attractive. And finally, again, what Brendan Rodgers has shown is Celtic whether we choose to like it or not, can be a stepping stone for someone who wants to reinvigorate their career and get a move back down to the Premiership or into Europe or, or whatever it may be. So whether it's Eddie Howe or some young, energetic European manager that's you know making headlines, I think it is an attractive proposition. I do too, and I would, I would absolutely be on board with Eddie Howe coming in. I think he fits the criteria of what we need as a squad of players. I think they would all get on board with a progressive manager or coach of that type. The only reservation I have with Eddie Howe, probably twofold, one is that he hasn't managed or played for a, a top, top club and he hasn't dealt with that pressure of having to win every single week or the media intensity that that brings. And secondly, Miff, you had mentioned the possibility of him not settling being a reason for him leaving. It could go the other way, which we all want, in that he comes up and he's really successful. Does he not go down to back down south at the first opportunity of a half decent job that comes up again? And then where does that leave us? Because it, it leaves us back where we were when Rogers left. It all comes back to a need for structural change above the management level. Yeah. Where, I, where, where if he does leave and he goes back down south, there is a plan in place to take, take, take is, the club forward. Yeah, I think you're right, Kenny. And this is where I'm at. Things can't get any worse than they are at the moment. And now we is keep, the time we for keep saying that. We keep saying <laughs> that. We can't get any lower than low. Hold my beer. So 
this is the time to sort that structure out and bring in a director of football type set up, you know, somebody to look after the transfers, somebody to look after the whole operation out with what happens on the training pitch. And then Eddie Howe or someone of his, have a, his ilk comes in as a, a coach. And their job is simply to make the players at the club better as footballers and also get results on a Saturday or a Wednesday or whenever we're playing. And that's why I think that if you got Eddie Howe, whether you got him for 12 months, 24, 36, whatever it may be, if he then jumps ship to the, the next Leicester that turns up and, and asks him back to Premiership, that's fine because we then just slot another coach in and we don't have to rip up the, the manual as we're having to do right now because Brendan Rodgers got full control of the football department and done some very good things with it. And then Neil Lennon came in, let it ride out for a few months, but then has now imposed his own style, good or bad style, whatever it is, it's a different style and you're having to rip up the, you know, the football department every other time. The time for that is gone and if we bring in a structure that allows us to then bring in the next Eddie Howe and the guy after that and the guy after that without it being, you know, a shambles every other time. I completely agree with, with the sentiment of, of that point in terms of you need to change the organisation above so that we aren't subject to a state of flux every time a new manager or coach is appointed. But to play devil's advocate on the point regarding how you're leaving, I don't necessarily think every manager or coach would do what Rogers did. I think it takes a certain type of person with a certain level of arrogance and ego to do that. And Rogers fits that category. Now, how may very well prove to be that? He may, but not many people would have done to us what Rogers did. I agree, with, I agree with that. But I mean, Rogers, successful people and winners across sport, across anything life, are ruthless to an extent. Now, Rogers has shown maybe a level beyond ruthlessness to the point where it's unacceptable. But Eddie Howe's a winner. You know, that he's, he's got that kind of mindset. He's very into that, you know, you know, making himself the best version of Eddie Howe he can be coaching-wise, life-wise, and, and looking at the bigger picture. And if he felt, I, I agree, I don't think many would come in and jump ship in February, but it's always going to be a risk. Just to get back to that point, though, we made Rodgers a winner as much as he made us a winner. He wasn't a winner before he came here. So, yes, I, I agree. I think he always had a plan to get back. He is not lacking in self-confidence and self-belief. Absolutely. I agree. He, he would have had a plan and he said that he executed and probably has absolutely no regrets about doing what, he, what he's done. Mm -hmm. But the relationship between Celtic and Rodgers was, was twofold. But I think what we've seen since he's left is that the standards that he set, the very, very high standards that he set have, have dwindled quite severely to the point where we're in the absolute mess that we're in just now. Yeah, what I would also say, and, and I'm just playing devil's advocate in the Brendan Rodgers thing though, but in terms of what we've seen in terms of management at board level at Celtic in recent days, dare I say weeks and months, it's all over the place at the moment. And do you not understand how Rodgers will have wanted out of that? It's clear that they've signed guys that he's not even asked for. So Marion Chavez is always the big example that he, he didn't know anything about it. So at some point, Rodgers being headstrong, believing in what he does, has basically turned around in his own head and said, as soon as a move comes, I'm out here because I can't operate under these conditions. What do you say to that? It's, kind of? it's Lawwell's role. That's that's the, the issue. Is that the blocker? From, that, from, from what I can see, I think from what most fans can see is Lawwell has overstepped his power and he's now, he's taking control of matters that are football related. Lawwell has done a fantastic job for Celtic in terms of balancing the book. He's an accountant and you, you can't argue, there has been some disasters in the transfer market which he's probably sanctioned but all in all, he's done a fantastic job over his, what, 17 year affiliation with the club. The issue is that he has overstepped, he's got too much power and should a structure be put in place where there is someone in, in charge of the football department that then eliminates the chance of another Rodgers and, you know, fiasco happening again? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just in terms of, I'm sure you lads as well as I have seen the various WhatsApp uh, screenshot rumours doing their own, so I'll just cut through some of them and, and you can let me know any <laughs> thoughts. So, so, some good, some bad, some whatever. 
main headline being that Ross Desmond, son of Dermot Desmond, is to take a more hands-on role at the club. I believe he's been around the club and he was pictured at the AGM last year, for example. So he's no stranger to Celtic Park, but I believe he may be coming in to take a more hands-on role. Uh, Just on that, I would say, on that point alone, I find that quite reassuring that there is a form of succession plan there because when you have a majority, a wealthy majority shareholder that's aging, mm-hmm. and you think to yourself, well, you know, heaven forbid if anything happens to them, do we have that in place now? What I will say, for, even though we're a shambles right now, the structure of the club in terms of its financial performance and how it's generated revenue has been has been sound. It's reassuring to me the fact that they have do have seem to have some form of contingency plan in there. I think what we need and whatever form this comes in is we just need some more fan representation. But I think we can oh, that's a point we can maybe touch upon as, as yeah. we go ahead. Let's get back to the rumours. <laughs> well, I just on fan representation quickly though, and I believe that certainly more of a voice for the fans would be a great thing. And the Celtic Trust are obviously trying to push that hard just now. And why wouldn't you push it? You know, now of all times while everything's going on. But the three of us can barely agree on things in this room at times. You may give 60,000 season ticket holders a voice and then the wider Celtic family a voice. How do you ever reach consensus on the big decisions? I'll just leave that there and we'll go back to the numbers because it's more fun. Um, So yeah, so beyond Ross Desmond potentially stepping in and being more hands-on, the kind of follow-on suggestion is that Peter Lawwell would step down at the end of the season. I think a lot of us can certainly see that, but whether it bears out remains to be seen. Then Dermot Desmond is appointing Jack Ross with Gordon Strachan as director of football, whilst also appointing Eddie Howe. So it's going to be busy in there in the dressing room. Uh, and then John Kennedy will move to some sort of football ops role with Gavin Strachan to take, quote-unquote, the under-23s, which doesn't even exist. So it depends what you believe. Is there anything good in there for you, Kenny? Anything you're attracted by, excited by? Eddie Howe. J- uh, just that. The rest you can probably scrap. I think Jack Ross, the halfway through a season, I don't think you get away with Jack Ross now. I don't think it appeals to the fans. The only thing that you can do to get the fans on side, and I, I don't know who, anyone who's... I've, you know, there can't be any Celtic fan right now who thinks this is fine. Lenny's the man, Peter Lovell's the man, let's kick on. So everybody wants change. Everybody I speak to anyway. Yeah, as you say, Kenny, maybe somebody of the nature of Jack Ross you might have got away with, but now it needs to be a big, big name, a proper statement, doesn't it, to get us back on board? Well, I think the, the issue you've got with Jack Ross is he hasn't convinced the Hibs fans that he's the right man for the job. They've went through a bit of a, a dodgy spell. They get a good draw at Celtic Park uh, last week. Well, ending when they came to Celtic Park, naturally. Um, Hibs fans don't seem 100% convinced by him, although as a fan base they are quite tricky to please historically. So I think any sort of change would be well received, but if it's not a significant name, it's not going to unite the fans because then you're just going to divide them on another issue and that is the person that's come in being the right person. It has to be a big name, I think. Yeah, I mean Lenny himself absolutely divided opinion when he you know, got off of the job after winning the Scottish Cup for the treble treble. And I think he divided it in a way that, being kind, I think at least 60% didn't want him. Maybe there was a, a hardcore that did. And if this current board is, is still in place when they make that appointment, whether that's now, this week, this month, or in the summertime, you can see them doing it again with somebody that splits opinion. And that, that would be the real fear for me. If they brought in someone who was a, a maybe, we can't bring in a maybe. We need to bring in a Rogers or a somebody of real calibre to really get us back on track. If you'd mentioned Steve Clark, I think he would split opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yep. And, he, and he might come in and do a good job and he would be robust and he's organised and he's he's tactical. But yeah. He's no sexy. <laughs> he ain't no sexy. No, he, no, he so he, he, you would certainly split opinion with somebody like that. I think it's a good example, Ken, actually. It's somebody you could see Celtic appointing, but it certainly wouldn't be the galvanising move that we're all hoping for. No, but he, he hates Rangers and they hate him. So for that point of view, that might be a good that, That's maybe a reason why I think he... He might not take it. He's touched on that whole sectarian I, yeah, thing before yeah. and he said there's maybe a reason yeah, why he would I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think I, I'd thrown him out there purely on the basis of logic between 
the apparent uh, insistence on the board and keep Mullaney in situ that there must be a reason behind it, but uh, that might not be the case. I, I don't think Clark would be a popular appointment. What Steve Clark could do is progresses in Europe, and that's where we've fell down in he's, recent he, years, he's, just he's from a, his style of play. And he's, he's a practical and a, and a pragmatic I see, manager. I see him as a striking like manager. That's that's who I would I would liken him to. Yeah, it might not be attractive at the best of times, but he would get results and cheese results driven business and all that. He's also the man who's uh, part responsible for the twenty man conga that Lenny has come out and yeah, slated today. So put, put that in whatever category you want to. But yeah, COVID free conga though. He's a COVID free conga, so he's <laughs> got the magic touch. Got away with it. So yeah, so you know, lots of chat, lots of suggestion, but until. Celtic as a club come out and communicate better with the fan base this is what we're going to get you know there's going to be guys like us and in various podcasts and people on their whatsapp groups and zoom calls just with wild speculation but basically just getting kept in the dark all the while not knowing where their hard-earned season ticket funds are going and it's it certainly doesn't feel good to be a Celtic fan at this moment in time and it's just the lack of communication is something that even when things are going wrong you can accept things a wee bit more if you're at least being kept in, you know, in the loop and told what's happening. And it's just not been the case for, for some time at Celtic now. Well, the January review that was much wanted at the time when we were we were asking for change, I, I think this just goes back to, if you look at the attitude of, I mean, even Lowell's apology was more or less through gritted teeth. It was, it was kind of an apology, but also a justification. Lennon's come out swinging at the first opportunity that he's had. If this is the attitude within the powers that be in the club, it makes sense as to why we got the reaction we did when we were playing poorly. It's a case of, well, just be quiet. You'll take what you're getting and we'll decide what's good and what's not. You know, you the quotes for Desmond saying, I hate it when eh, the fans aren't with you when you're struggling. It's easy to support when you're doing well. It's harder to support when you're doing bad. I don't think there's been a Celtic manager in recent memory that's done as badly as Lennon in terms of the run of games that we've been on. And the fact that the fans were so vocal in the kind of October, November period was because the standard of performances was dropping. You could see it. You could see it with your own eyes. You didn't need to be an absolute football mastermind to see that just the general quality and individual players were suffering. They weren't playing to their maximum potential. The fluency of the football was lacking, which culminated in the absolute disaster of the, the first Rangers game of the season which was so passive and, and negative but they got away with that because it was just a return for the international break so they they had that sort of small mitigating caveat in there if anything it actually got worse for a period after that there was no reaction for the squad whatsoever which naturally had the fans saying right we've watched this team sweep everybody away swat everybody away before them domestically we little or no trouble Rangers to their credit had improved and certainly it looked like Gerard had our, our number on more than one occasion um, prior to that game in any case but Celtic fans were watching this squad of players play and say no we're not happy with the way things are going major rumblings between you know, Celtic fans that I know and you know kind of guys in our bus and all that type of thing Ferns Varos was the start of that it was like wow you, we were bad there Copenhagen was the start of the season before y yes but we kind of Copenhagen came at a time when we were actually on a brilliant run so it was almost like an aberration. Can I get lost in that but, noise? But it was the same mistake as Cluj, so it wasn't really an aberration, but it was in the context of the run we were on at that time. But Ferns Faros was actually, whilst we still should have won that game, the mistakes that we made to lose that game were just so naive and so eerily similar to the, the Copenhagen game that you went, hmm, there's, a, maybe, a pattern's emerging there, isn't there's maybe something a bit more underlying here in terms of how this squad is being managed. And then what we got, I mean, we were lucky to qualify for the Europa League. I mean, we got out of jail twice, didn't we? We were unlucky to qualify for the Europa League. Unlucky. But in hindsight, when I you think it, unlucky given aye. what played out, but yeah. Aye, that's what I mean, yeah. You know, so <laughs> it, if you build that together against how poor they've been domestic as well, then there was the unmitigated disaster. It was a Europa League campaign. 
albeit Glamour's are performances within there. You know, at different times, even for 20-minute periods, he played well. But Take, I taking, think, the, taking the lead in almost every game I, in the group. I think that sums up Lennon's tenure as a manager. He's a 45-minute performance kind of manager. The team play well in spells, mm-hmm. but very rarely consistently over a period of games. And ultimately, the fans have called for change and the board, through complacency and arrogance, have told us, no, we'll decide when performances have slid. We'll decide when not good enough is not good enough. Not you. We'll review it in January. Since then, we've got worse. Yeah, and you just feel you're getting fobbed off. I mean, I'd be amazed if this January review happens at all. You know, I think that's just, they're hoping that, I mean, they're selling enough news to keep us busy and keep us occupied. We might, some of us might forget about it, but it feels that that's just going to get kicked out in the long grass. And as much as I think we all believe that there should be change now in the next 24 hours, immediately after Wednesday night's game, whatever, you really wouldn't be surprised if we were sitting doing a, another one of these in the summer talking about the the same guy being in charge. What's the point of having him in charge on Wednesday? Can MD answer that? No, there's no point in having him in charge for the rest of the season. But it start, starts with Wednesday. What is the point? There is there is yeah. no point. He has, we're talking about accountability. There's no way that Lennon wasn't at home managing those, well, at least picking the team for those two games. I'm saying I, I, at home. I, 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 working from home. I hope he was at least watching it. He might have been getting through a box. I don't, I don't think he did. No, I don't <laughs> do, do you think got Gavin Strachan picked the team? I, I picked think, the team no, either game, I, I think. I think it's got to be uh, Lenny's team. I, that's the thing as well. So I think Lenny's supported by Strachan and, and Gavin Strachan, to his credit, Miff was talking about earlier on, spoke well and, and represented himself well. And yep. there's a guy who's been, you know, kind of mocked and, and all that stuff. He's very possibly a really good coach working under a really tough regime, a tough system. Anyway, you know, he carried himself with a fair bit of credit in the last couple of games, albeit we didn't get the results. But yeah, I think there's no doubt that we know how Neil Lennon operates. He must and should have been picking the teams, at least how we started, maybe with the instruction that Gavin Strachan could change it as he saw fit in-game. But I'm sure it was Lennon that's picked that team, which brings me on. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about some fo- football in March here, given the, the two performances against Hibs and Livingston. Tom Rogic was your number nine on Saturday. And someday, most likely Neil Lennon has thought that was the right thing to do. And it was a disgraceful performance by Rogic. We've seen mortgage up front before. Was it under Rogers? Under Rogers. Uh, no. Was it Rosenberg? Rosenberg and it also played a league game, a, a league game at home as well. I think it was possibly Dundee. Played, I think it was the first first uh, was Champions League qualifier against Rosenberg, and he played that bad. He was dropped for the next game, and Forrest played up front because both Griffiths and Dembele. Yep, he, he just he doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the movement to play up front, and that that's where Kennedy comes in because Kennedy was there. And Kennedy seen that. Yeah. Tom Rodgers is less mobile now than he used to be. And he was never particularly mobile. He just looked so out of sorts. And it's, you know, even though we had limited personnel to choose from, whether, you know, and, and Oco Flex and Harper, there's been questions over them raised in the last couple of games. But somebody must have been a better shout. Was Johnson up front not a better? It just seems like just such a another shambolic decision and a real list of them this season. Only a matter of weeks ago, Rogic was scoring in the San Siro, playing in midfield. From a 10. Gr- granted, but if you've then got him available, I just, it doesn't seem to me like a hell of a lot of plannings went into those two games. And, and I feel terrible for, for saying that because you can only imagine the guys that have been available have worked, but it looked very, very disjointed, as you would expect, because in both games, they are unique starting 11s that will never be seen again at mm-hmm. Celtic, we hope. I don't, I don't, I don't know why you recover calls with Dubai, but the reason why Rogic is playing up front is because we don't have any strikers. Now, Gavin Strachan was available to manage. Was that just a coincidence or was that planned that he was the designated survivor <laughs> and, and Lennon and Kennedy were out? And if they went into that level of detail to plan who would be in the dugout, why is all four strikers 
I, I think there's something in that as well. You know, if you're talking about taking all the COVID uh, precautions and doing all the right things and following the protocols, what what really struck me is, yeah, how can Lenny and John Kennedy be isolating and their their other right hand man striking? He's been all over them. They've been sitting that? together at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't, I don't understand. You know, why why were they not together that full trip and and at least sitting close on on trains, planes, and automobiles? So the fact that striking was okay and the, uh, Lenny and Kennedy weren't, that's a question mark, yep. you know, whether we'll ever find out. The other thing is, though, you know, playing it safe, you've got four strikers at the club, you know, Griff, Edward, Klamala, uh, Ayeti. Why were they not split two and two? I, I was laughing, I was talking about the Air Force One analogy where the president and the vice never travel in the same plane because, God forbid, something happens to Air Force One, you've got a succession and the, the vice steps in. We don't have any sort of planning like that and, and why has it come to be? It's just madness. We're, we're all, all the strikers sitting together playing cards, you know, with the defenders doing the same. Why has it become it's just the utter car crash that it has? Aye. I mean, even when you say that out loud, to think that that's happened and there has been absolutely no planning during a worldwide pandemic of the possibility of members of the squad need, needing to isolate, you know, you'd think you'd start a worst-case scenario point of view, but they've not. And again, I, I just think it shows that the level of detail that's going into these things isn't the same as, as what it was under the previous regime. Listen, I thought after Saturday that that was probably going to be the darkest hour and we'd have a wee change and uh, get the fans back on side, you know. Now, <laughs> here we are, It's got it's got worse. Yeah, it has actually get worse. Just the latest and episode. And it keeps, get, it keeps getting worse. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where you sit back and you say, how have we came to this? And ultimately, for me, it's just a lack of, a lack of genuine, true leadership. Mm-hmm. I think our domestic success is just papered over the cracks. Yeah. This has been going on a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, I, I want to pick up on a footballing point again, before I forget about it, from the Livingston game, as a knock-on from the Hibs game. One of the genuine positives, and wasn't a huge positive, but the genuine positive against Hibs was that Stephen Welsh done himself no harm at all and came out with a bit of credit, potentially our best player on the night. So what did Celtic do? They drop him for the next game, they bring back Beaton, they persevere with Duffy, and Welsh is nowhere to be seen, sub-unused. What does that say to that kid as well, who's, I think he signed a new deal, but you know he'll be hoping to you know to make waves and, and make a career at Celtic. He'll have gone home on Saturday night and, and thought, I can't get a team where 13 first-teamers are out. I've signed a new deal. I've played well, you know, days previously. And then he's he's shored out. So what does that say to, to the youth? And what does it say about the youth that we're bringing through that it, it looked like we played a kid's team, you know, Harper really out his depth. Flex showed why he's nowhere near the first team. Dembele, the, the, the kid's got huge talent by all accounts, but where is it? Because it's nowhere to be seen. He, he came on and looked just looked like a kid. You know, in the in the Hibs game, and, and he's meant to be the, the shining light, the real gem in the youth setup. So maybe today's not the time to go through the the academy, but there's nothing coming through that excites you, is there? It worries me that there's there's no striker coming through at all. Yeah, we're, we're not only doing playing makeshift senior players up front. We're playing we're playing makeshift young youth wingers, wingers up, up up front. But if you look at where the players are going when they leave, um, Calvin Miller, who was in around the first team, left. I think he went on loan to air. Then he was sold or, or left and went to Harrogate Town, where he has then been loaned out to Notts County. Um, Jack Aitchison left, was signed by Barnsley, but then immediately loaned out to Stevenage. These players who are in Celtic's academy, who have probably been in the academy for they were any age and deemed good enough to come right through the ranks, are playing at conference in League 2 level in England. 
and not by all accounts standing out to any particular yeah, level. We, we talk about that's it. who we are bringing through in our academy is League Two and Conference players. Mm-hmm. Now that's with the greatest respect. Jack Aitchison will go down in recent history, youngest ever goal scorer in, in a league game and looked a really exciting talent, was never really given any chance to flourish at Celtic and we've already touched on this in previous podcasts maybe the motivation if you're not getting the chance at Celtic by the time you do move to another club your motivation drops because you feel you've already hit the heights because you've been at a club the size of Celtic being treated the way you've treated and you find it hard to adjust when you move down a level and it takes considerable guts you know guys like the likes of Andy Robertson that have really pulled up their bootstraps and, and made the most of their career and, and fair play to them but the more pertinent point for me is the guys we are bringing through aren't going on and hitting heights when they leave us so why, why have they came through the system what's changed where is the quality that, that we're bringing through? Yes, yeah. there's a Tierney. Yes, there's a McGregor to a certain level. Yes, there's a Christian. We bought him when he was really, really young. And there's a James Forrest, and that's about James it. Forrest. And that is about it. And we, we've spoken in uh, previous uh, podcasts about the fact that in the 13 years or so of Lennox Town, that's what you produced. And and that has been good in terms of Forrest being a huge success. Tierney, absolutely. And, and certainly the money side of what Tierney went for, uh, Callum McGregor. But three... And all that time. And as you say, if the guys that don't go on to make it, you know, I don't know why, but guys like Marcus Fraser and stuff come into my head. And Marcus Fraser. Yeah. Do we create players to be the next Ross County in the St Mirren star? With all due respect, rather than we're meant to be developing Champions League players, they talk about the player pathway at Celtic. You go from the youths to the development squad to the first team to becoming a Champions League player. And James Forrest has played Champions League and Tierney has and, and McGregor has and brilliant and well done to those lads. But what about the rest of them and, and what's happening that we're creating these, as you say, conference players and Scottish Championship players, something's gone wrong there because we get the best of the bunch when they're young. Aye, and you need to be careful here because you're you're talking about professional football players, guys that have made it, regardless of what level that they play to. You know, the end of the day, I'm a kind of old guy that played amateur football, and you're. But what you see, you see it with your own eyes when you go to the games. Went to the games for a number of years. Um, you know, Simon Donnelly came through, played in the first team for a number of years. Striker. You had Sean Maloney came through. Simon Lynch. Scored a couple of goals, Jamie Smith, Mark Burchill came through. When was the last time we had a genuine, really classy, you know, high goal scoring striker come through at Celtic? When mm-hmm. we, I, I'm, I'm asking that question. Well, I, I'm struggling to answer that question. Also, when out with the three lads I mentioned there that made Champions League, we don't bring guys through that end up having any sort of lengthy Celtic career. So Burchill, flash in the pan, talented guy, scored some good goals, but moves on, Portsmouth and various different clubs. Don, like you mentioned, you know, guys who have been around Celtic but haven't really put their stamp on the club in the way that dare I heart back to like Paul McStay's and these kind of guys who become real stalwarts of the club and it's I, I know don't... the game's changed as well oh. but it's you know it's we, we don't see these kind of guys we seem to have guys who make a, a fleeting impact on the team and then they're off to pastures new in terms of strikers yeah when did I, I remember guys like Denny Johnson if you remember that name you know in 2012-ish and when Celtic were competing at Champions League le- level at that time he played in the UEFA Youth League, so they would play the equivalent. You know, if Celtic played Barca, the youths would play Barca. And I think he scored the winner against Barcelona as youths at the time, whenever it was, 2012. And I thought, geez, that, what a moment for that kid. And he, he'll go into bigger things. I think now he's at Morton and huffing and puffing at Morton. Um, there was Brian Prunty scored the winner for, for Scotland under 21s yeah, as well. To get him qualify, played for Airdrie. You know, never get near the first team. That, that's going back to Anil's era, right enough. More recently, there was uh, Greg, played with Alloa actually scored twice against Rangers when they were they were in um, the championship. You get guys that are, you know, did, did Nisbet play with Celtic? Did Kevin Nisbet come through at Celtic? I don't know if he was in the youth was Celtic. Aiden, was it Aidan Nisbet that came through at Celtic? Oh yeah, yeah he went he to went Morton. He went to Morton. Um, you know, Jack Aitchison's probably the one, because he went into the first team and scored, he's the one that kind of mm-hmm. stands with Tony Watt, sorry, that's the other one. 
Tony Watt. And we all know where that went as well. Flash in the pan had his moment and then he was off. Again, I think that was maybe a wee bit more to do with Tony Watt than it was his ability. I think, I mean, you even see him playing, playing with Mother, I still think he looks like a really, really good player. But I think with what he just, maybe attitude-wise, just never really showed that he had enough dedication to play for a team like Celtic over a number of years. But Watt has still had a fairly decent career. He's played with some, some really good teams. You know, you need to be, that's what I'm saying, you need to be careful about how you speak about some of these players because they have became professional football players regardless Absolutely. of the level they've played at but what we're looking at and what we're talking about is we want to see players playing for Celtic over a number of years and specifically a striker scoring lots of goals and we the simple fact of the matter is there has been nobody outstanding enough that has come in grabbed a jersey kept it and scored the goals to justify it yeah and that's the thing and I don't think you're being disrespectful I think you've been you know fair and, and these guys have had decent careers and, and, and hopefully all going to do well that, that's not the point here the point is Celtic should be aspiring to create top level professionals we shouldn't be settling for one or two or three coming through the academy every 13 years and accepting that as success and that again comes down to what's the um you know what, what what's the goals what's peter lowell tasked with and obviously he he doesn't directly develop players but who does he put in place to develop players so that they've all got benchmarks to say okay how many players come through because we need to say say one every three years should come through something like that or every two years should we have champions league one year and two or one year and three or whatever it is, we're not meeting those benchmarks. We're failing at every turn. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that I believe that a lot of the people at the club, Peter Lowell especially, are bonused on financial returns. They're bonused on how well the club does commercially, how many season tickets we sell, how many shirts we sell, how many DVDs we sell, all these kind of things. And it should be, at a club like ours, we should be benchmarking on on-pitch success, trophies, Champions League, qualifications for last 32s all these things bringing players through and, and you know bringing players through in the way that Tierney came through was successful for several years and sold for X million brilliant but there's just not enough of that going on and there's just you know I, I believe the drivers for success are all wrong and that will not change unless regime changes so we can replace Neil Lennon if we want and bring in whoever but it doesn't really matter if the changes aren't made further up the hierarchy either and I think that's why you need to bring in somebody with gravitas that's going to push for those changes because if somebody like I don't know somebody that's maybe had a lot of power at a previous club maybe even somebody like, like how that kind of built the, the football structure at, at Bournemouth when they came through the ranks if he comes in and sees a dysfunctional structure above him at Celtic he's probably going to go right well wait a wee minute that's that's not going to work and it's certainly not going to work for me my management style and my management team mm -hmm. so I'd need to make a change so y you want that to be the case and I think that's why it highlights that we need to go for somebody I'd say Dedler a big name I mean, I, I'm not being delusional. I know we're not going to go in and Rafa's got to come back for China or anything like that and, and come in. But you, you take my point. It's got to be somebody that, that knows what they want and has the power of personality and persuasion to convince the, the Celtic management that they're the right man, but also that they need to make the fundamental changes that are required. Yeah. And it's it. remember, it's all about what we care about. This whole Dubai debacle, Lennon coming out, the way he's went on, Lawwell's apology, if you want to call it that. At the end of the day, all we care about, the three of us in this room, everybody else that watches Celtic all we care about Celtic winning games of football in the park mm -hmm. and this whole Dubai thing's taken away for the fact that we weren't doing that yeah. that's what this comes down to it's you another know, all, smoke screen all, all we care about is Celtic winning so mm -hmm. to go down the route of coming out fighting over the whole Dubai thing is an absolute red herring come out fighting over the performances in the park you know get the players in either motivate them to play better for you if there's players in there that don't want to play for Celtic then have very honest conversations with them regarding that and get guys on the park that are always showing the players that they're playing for the club and that they're showing a bit of desire to win games. Yeah, I also wonder, you know, when Lenny sat in front of the press today, when the first question was put to him or however the, the presser was opened, 
he should have said right away, Peter, my chief exec, has addressed the Dubai situation during the week. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about football and matters. And that would be the time for him to just switch the focus and, and put to bed the, the, the debacle that was Dubai, but draw a line under it and say we need to move on and talk football. And he could have got around it by that. And just on that point, I, I may have missed something. Do we know who all isolated? Have the club came out and told us who were all in isolation? I don't believe so. I, I've only seen it through WhatsApp. I, I've not seen any official. And was there any chat today for Lennon? Because I've not seen the whole thing. I've seen various snippets, but not the whole thing. Was there any chat as to who was available, who wasn't available, who the player is that's tested positive? Any Anything on the actual game? And You mean about Hibs and Livingston? It, the Livingston game coming. Uh, was there I, I, anything I on that at all? So I've not seen it in full and obviously we've seen the headlines and we know how the media works and we know that the headlines and, and the stuff that we've seen oh, no, I understand on. that but yeah. you take my point I get the point you're trying to make is there is there's no open it doesn't wait, seem like an openness even, wait, even that come and interview talk to us. come yeah. and talk to us about the football come and talk to us about the team who's available who's been out yeah. what sort of ramifications has that had in their fitness have they been doing individual fitness plans where is it? it's just uh, they're just throwing information at you though and they don't want you to question it that's what that's what came across in Lawwell's interview, one point in particular I picked up on was his throwaway comment that we've been affected probably the worst. And I think he was, I think it was, a, that's exactly what it was. It was a throwaway comment, but because he had an employee of his sitting in front of him, there was no, if that was a, if that was a third party independent interviewer, he would then challenge that point. Oh, yeah. He would he, then say, didn't he add context? No, no, you're right. He it was a throwaway comment, but then it wasn't challenged because it, it just, that's what made it come across as scripted and, mm -hmm. and staged. And, and that's why people can then question the sincerity of it well that, that's interesting you see that Kenny because I think the point I think personally the point what I was trying to make was the impact felt by everything that had happened since the buy etc whereas it was painted like he was going on about he may have a point as, you, as we've yep. spoke about how unlucky we've been with the players we've yep. missed and yep. probably again Lowell being an accountant he, he probably has a justification he could say look we have been imp impacted numbers wise yep. mm -hmm. but it's all relative because every every you know, every club's it, been affected. it just came across wrongly though didn't yep. it and it's just I, I think he has said it I actually think if they watched the, the video and house at Celtic and said we're just about to put this live I think we should maybe redo that but and I'm not being funny yeah. and cynical that's how it works if you're putting out a message you're right. in, you're in control he's, of that he's got he's on a roll he was saying society and then he said football yeah. and, and then he just, said our club and he said probably it just our rolled club off the tongue yep. the thing is it's in-house media so they've got the opportunity to say oh hold on a minute let's just redo that bit Peter you know, tied up your Gantt shirt and we can do that again and he was, he was looking good though he was he? looking sharp credit for his um, just on that point I need to give credit to one of my mates who said Peter you were doing a public apology for a PLC you weren't at your niece's birthday party which I thought was a beauty <laughs> but you know the point remains that he should you know as I say if you control that message it should have been really polished if it's going to be polished at all and it's just but anything any tiny slip-ups we know the, the the environment Celtic operate in any tiny snippet everyone's all over it and that's that's what makes the headlines and that's what they run with but that makes it all the more important and all the more pressing that Lenny should have gone out today and just said my chief exec is here to deal with those matters off-field matters he has addressed that on whatever day it was last week and let's talk about the football. Let's let's give credit to the guys that battled hard, you know, against Hibs and Livy, and let's look forward to the game ahead. And giving you whatever he wanted to give you football-wise, who's fit, who's available, how we're going to line up, how it's affected the team, whatever. And if you want to go with a siege mentality, do it in-house. You know, wait till you get behind the, the, the dressing room door and say, they're allowed to get us. You know, there's media against us, there's ex-players or whatever and channel that in the right way he's just he's just gone full full length. government government as well apparently i think uh, nicola sturgeon and john swinney got it at some point but <laughs> you know that's the thing he's, he's gone full lenny and i don't mind full lenny i like it when it's channeled in the right way i just feel that it's out of touch it's last days of rome stuff it's like I, i'm going out kicking and screaming if i'm going out and that's the way it felt he seemed to have just an issue with the fact that there was players isolating he's, he, 
it was almost like he was annoyed at the, at the, the laws and the guidelines. The guidelines, yeah. Mad stuff. Anyway, <laughs> looking forward to Wednesday. Uh, so there is a game <laughs> of football uh, on Wednesday night. We'll cover it, maybe not as in much detail as everything else, but what do you expect to see from Celtic? I mean, we no don't, idea. We don't, absolutely no absolute, idea. An absolute lottery. So in terms of the, the team and what it, what it might shape up as, I don't even know who's available to him, but <laughs> what do you think? So it's, it's going to be a bit of a mystery. What are you expecting? Uh, well, that, that, that takes me kind of back to my point is to, I was hoping to hear a bit of that today, Fulainen, because we're all we're all in the dark, really, as to what is the status of most guys. But they were all back in training today, am I right in saying that? The, the guys that had been isolating were all back in training today. So they assuming that they've had their own personal fitness plans to adhere to, some will probably adhere to that better than others based in recent history, but we'll move on for that. I believe that, that Lenny's presser today, I'm not sure if it was a, a full press conference in the traditional sense where he was asked questions. I think it sounds like he's gone on a bit of a you know five-minute monologue or whatever without the who's available, Neil, what's your options and, and so on. So we'll find out, I think, in the coming hours or the coming and I think 24 we've, hours. we've became so blasé about COVID and, and coronavirus that you need to remember here, a player or two of our players have caught what is a deadly virus and, and bug. So you go back to the point where you just hope and pray they make full recoveries to come back because you've seen the issues that um, St Maximilian and Lascelles have had at Newcastle where yeah. they've been out for prolonged extended periods so if coronavirus goes through goes through a squad of players it could have fairly Absolutely. detrimental long term effects yes to the team but more importantly for the player going forward so that's the kind of roulette you're playing here with your own playing squad by travelling when we've travelled in the pandemic it just you know the whole thing looks absolutely horrendous yeah. that was a tangent I apologise <laughs> to go back to the, the squad you would hope you would hope that what we are going to see is a highly motivated squad of players out to give the fans something. However, A, we're playing away to Livy, which has been a terrible ground for us to play at. B, this Livy seem to be a different proposition for other Livingston teams in the fact that they're actually better than the teams we've struggled against, so that's a worry. And C, recent history tells us that for whatever reason, this team very rarely come out all guns blazing, firing in the first half, blowing teams off the park. They have not done that this season. I think the only first half they've played really well in was maybe Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just don't know what to expect. And there is, we've spoken before, there's a bare minimum that you should get. You know, some players go in and out of form. That's not new. That's football, you know, since day dot. You know, sometimes you, you'll get guys playing a whole season well, sometimes half season, sometimes whatever else. But the bare minimum should be guys giving their absolute tank and and fans should be able to see that regardless of how well they're playing or not. Even, even though it was a, you know, a, patchwork squad that came up against Hibs and Livy I thought at times Livy certainly came out with intent and all guns blazing now you can't tell me even though it was a unrecognised 11 for Celtic that they weren't at least as talented as those guys and therefore should also have been able to be at least as motivated and there's something wrong just within the setup of the club just now that you, you wonder you know yeah of course you know Cameron Harper's and Flexies and Welshies and other guys got starts that they shouldn't have got surely that's the time when you as a young guy or a bit part player says I'll show them that I can play. This is where I'm really going to go out all guns blazing and, and put a, a marker down. I never thought I would watch Celtic again uh, with F. Ambrose on the park, hoping he was in a, a green and white jersey. Yeah. I never thought I'd think that again. But <laughs> yeah. you'd actually had him over Duff. The icing Duffy. on the cake would have been him scoring the goal that he should have scored. I, that was a good clearance. But <laughs> Duffy was said. just... Beaton comes back in. As you mentioned before, Welsh was, was probably one of the standouts in the Hibs game. Beaton comes back in, who sold the jerseys, and Duffy's just ducking and... and swiping at things and just doing things that Duffy does. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what the squad's going to look like in, in, in Wednesday night. You also wonder, you know, players like Odson Edward and Chris Iyer and you know, talented European type players, they, they'll see Lenny's run in the same way that we've seen it, right? They're all online. 
How do they respond to that as individuals? How do they feel about seeing their manager go tonto to the media in that way? And the way that you would never see Brendan Rodgers. You can see Brendan Rodgers getting aggressive sometimes and getting a bit nippy, but it was controlled aggression. I think it depends on what's going on behind closed doors. It depends on how the players feel about it. I don't think it's necessarily just fair. It seems to me that the club are quite happy for Lennon to be going out and taking the flack for almost everything that's going on. The fall guy. Now, whatever you think about Neil Lennon and how he has managed the squad this season, it isn't just solely and purely down to Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. The board and the players have also got their, their part to play in, in the failures of this season as well, and it's only it's only fair that that's recognised. I think things like that, if that's been sanctioned at a higher level for Lennon to come out and just go loose cannon and go rogue, then I think that's a bit unfair because it's, you know, it isn't just down to Lennon. I know he said that it was just down to him. Like, I can't be having that at all. That I can't strange. be having that. I cannot be having that that it was solely down to Neil Lennon we went to Dubai. No I chance. Been signed off. No chance. I think if, if, if Neil Lennon said, I want to go to Dubai and Peter Lowell says, well, you're not going to Dubai, then it ends up with they, they don't go to Dubai. Aye. I don't think it's his call. It really isn't. What it might have been his call is to, is Julian gone. He might have been deciding whether Julian went or not. Yeah, no, maybe no, he no, says, no. I want one of my senior guys to be there. But, because I think there's definitely been a, a suggestion. Remember the, it feels so long ago, when Celtic talked about getting like a games room in or something so the players could socialise. <laughs> you forget about that. There's so that, much things that a ping pong table would have saved the season. But, you know, things like that, because if, I think Lennon felt the players weren't bonding in the way that they would have done during a normal season. So they bring in a number of guys, a Yetis and others and they weren't able to integrate with the squad I think he maybe thought that Dubai would have given a bit of this allowed the guys to spend a bit more time in their bubbles and, and just get to know each other and socialise and maybe that was the thinking so from a footballing sense and a, a getting fit sense yeah Julian shouldn't have been there there's no sense in that but I wonder if they thought no no these guys have been in the trenches all season I want them to be there and, and Julian is clearly a, a senior member of that squad you can see he's very influential mm-hmm. as well just unnecessary risk Again, it's, it comes down to the risk assessment. It yeah. comes down to the risk assessment. And it, it just goes, it's just in tune with the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It's been an unmitigated disaster. Just in going along with what you're saying there, Miff, in terms of you know whether Lenny had permission to make that rant today, whether it was coordinated or signed off the club, I did see a tweet earlier on that. I just thought it was interesting that someone says, Lenny's had to come out and defend the club today because no one else above him will. What do you think of that in terms of just him defending Celtic's position? Because because we, we've spoken about, we would love to be here defending Celtic and saying all these positive things, but it's hard to do so. But Lenny maybe feels as the figurehead and terms of a football sense that he has to defend what that, we do that, that's my point is is that it seems to be Lennon just getting left to carry the can for practically everything I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's quite fair his failings have been in his management of the squad absolutely and I, I'm on record on here as being fairly very critical of that but to have him going out and fielding questions on the bye in relation to the justification for going and, and things like that I don't, I don't think that's, that's, that's down to him but he seems to be trying to take that on it's, well. it's admirable if he is because he should not be taking the flack for non-football and matters it, absolutely if he gets a team wrong makes a wrong substitution sets up in a wrong way drops a guy or whatever then absolutely carry the can for that and accept that in a footballing sense you've got things right wrong or whatever but anything off the field should absolutely come down to your chief exec and, and guys in that position you would think you would think and hope and, it, and it's not played out and again it just leans towards this you know lack of joined up thinking and just a, a really disjointed approach by the club and in all matters, it seems, you know, from, from football and things through to pre-season trips to you name it, we seem to get it wrong every turn. The good news is, for a bit of positivity, we do have our Lisbon Lions chocolate bar to look forward to. Available so, from all good retailers. Aye, and I think it'll cost you a five or so. Listen, you, you need to take the positives out of these situations. Yeah. So, looking forward and you're, you're trying to take positives, and that's what we'll always do. You know, we're not here to be cheerleaders. 
by any stretch, but you know, let's look at positives where it's positive and, and be fair. We can be fair between now and next week. Kenny, first, first of all, yourself, what do you want to see happen at Celtic next? Two questions What do you want to see happen, and what do you think will happen? Oh, very I, different oh, things, I, maybe. I'm sure, it's the same as everyone. I, I want to see change as soon as possible. I don't see any argument for the status quo continuing for the rest of the season. We need to get someone in to assess the squad. We've not even really discussed the, the transfer market. What's the point in bringing in players when you don't know who the manager's going to be? And we need players. We need we need, we need a centre-half. You know, to be going by that if we, we don't know who the manager is. So what I want to see is a, is a change in manager and the wheels in motion for change above that. Yeah. And as well as that, you know, you mentioned that, Kenny, it's, the, it's beyond the halfway point in January at this moment in time. And there's absolutely no sign of anybody coming in. So, you know, we've got less than two weeks to do that. Do you see any sign of that happening? Well, I've seen um, that Mark McKenzie for Philadelphia Union went to Ghent. He's off, yeah. Who had apparently been a long-time target. Um, I believe Benkovic has also went to Belgium. Has that actually happened? I, I don't know. I that. think so. Then he confirmed. So they, they would have been two people that would be on our radar. Um, the channel winger. Alfie Doughty, he has went to QPR. He signed a pre-contract with someone anyway that's not us. <laughs> so it just leaves you wondering, you know, like like we say, the, the lack of cohesion in almost every aspect of the club is, is alarming. And let's just all hope it's part of some fiendish master plan that we don't yet know about. But to us, it looks like a very, very, very shambolic um, set of situations that can only, in my opinion, result and the manager being replaced, and I think it's the only thing that will give the fans something to cling on to in terms of to invest in the team, hope that a new manager can come in and reinvigorate the squad and mould the squad in time for next season. You think you'll see any of that this week? Yes, because I think we have to. You think we've reached yes, that point? Yes, it, it has absolutely reached that point. Yeah. From my point of view, I'd, I'd be desperate to see some sort of change or indication of change at least but if Celtic as a club can't give us the fan base that at least what I'd like is strong clear communication you know if you know if they're saying Neil Lennon will be here till May then come and tell us that or if they're saying we're going to make changes soon or if there's going to be this Gavin Strachan will move behind the scenes and it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be Kennedy at the end of the season and it might well be the case but I just think that there's opportunities because because in the times that we live in yeah it's a, it's a tricky and difficult and stressful time for all and, and all businesses football clubs and otherwise are going through unprecedented precedented times and it's hard to adjust and whatnot. but one thing that you can always control is your communication and how you speak to sober fans but yeah the club might look at us as you know your biggest payers your clients your customers whatever you want to call the, the Celtic fan base but if you don't communicate with those who bring in 25 million pounds a season then it's only going to end up one way in terms of the feeling between both parties like we've been on record saying it, it seems like the club are just putting their fingers on their ears and just choosing not to listen to them you know there's 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 obviously been fan protests and I am not a huge advocate of that but because we've not been in the stadium to voice our opinion I think I did say this um, on the on the post-match after Livingston because the fans don't feel connected to the team by being inside the stadium and being able to voice their opinion in there that has manifested itself into those protests outside because the fans just were so frustrated they didn't feel they were being listened to not necessarily just solely because of the performances on the park it's because of the rhetoric coming back at them for the club was one off just shut up in effect just shut up the power they do have is renewal of season tickets and that's yep. ultimately what I think will, will be the catalyst for, for change is the is the, the bargaining tool of, of not renewing your season ticket and I, I think it's to go back on stuff that other people have said John Hartson was on the post-match after Livingston now Neil Lennon John Hartson were teammates but Neil Lennon John Kennedy John Hartson John Kennedy were also teammates I'm saying that they would have played yep. under a Neil 
all together and Hartson actually asked what is John Kennedy doing when, when we were speaking to him which I thought was pretty telling so mm-hmm. are, are people working you know they, they kind of working the legs for Lennon from within it, it begs that question if, if somebody of the stature of John Hartson's openly questioning what John Kennedy's role is in there that would suggest to me that there's potential that you know Lennon and Kennedy aren't on the same hymn sheet and it, it brings back to the question Gavin Strachan not being anywhere near those two while they were out in Dubai nowhere near them on a plane, you know, what, what's what's going on there as well as if that's what the plane squad are being subjected to a backroom staff that clearly aren't in unison, is it any wonder why the performances we're seeing on the park are so disjointed and lacking fluency? Yeah, I think Lenny and Kennedy aren't even in the same hymn sheet, but I don't think Gavin Strachan's even got a mass. <laughs> He's not even been invited. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think you get a mass in the door anyway. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> the, the point I've made from, you know, for a long time now is that when Neil Lennon was trusted with a job, he wasn't trusted enough to bring in his own yep, backroom team uh, and I've yep. said it loads of times and and I'll repeat it it's it's just criminal to say to this guy we're going to task you with bringing home the you know the, the biggest season in our modern day history but we just don't trust you enough to, to bring in your, your own generals to do so and I think that if you use the term it's your chickens coming home to roost and this is what's happened now the global pandemic has obviously had a huge impact on everybody and every walk of life and Celtic have certainly suffered from it but there's decisions that we as a club could and should have made better and just you know, things that we're seeing in the last few days, let alone the last few weeks and months. And you wonder where it stops. Matthew sent a message earlier on, make it stop. <laughs> just make it stop. Just, that's, I just, just on to that stop. point, though, Eddie Howe's number two is the manager of Bournemouth now. Yes, Jason so, Hogan. So he doesn't have a background staff to bring with him. Mm, that's interesting. I was also going to say, I forgot to mention, when we're talking about Eddie Howe and, and Matthew, you were talking about, um, you know, football's a small world, you know, generally speaking, and Eddie Howe will have a line to Brendan Rodgers. If Celtic have sounded him out, he'll say, all right, okay, let me think about it. And I've picked up the phone to Brendan Rodgers and says, what's the word, Brendan? I'm getting touted for, for a move up north. Should I go? Now, based on what Brendan Rodgers has experienced, you know what he's going to say. He'll maybe say, well, listen, massive club, great potential, fan base, Europe, blah, blah, blah. But it's an absolute nightmare on a day-to-day basis because of who your gaffer will be. And that would be enough to put somebody off. And that's why I think that ultimately, you know, I'd mentioned that you can replace Lenny, you know, all day long, but until you get things better or right, higher up the, the, the ladder, then it's not going to be a fix. So you just wonder if, if Eddie Howe or others might have been sounded out done their due diligence and said ah, thanks but no thanks and it's not for me what a cheery and po- positive note to finish on uh, and an otherwise extremely positive podcast <laughs> I thought so we'll see what Wednesday brings we'll be back on Wednesday with uh, the post-match reaction and we'll see how the, the boys fare there so whatever else you can say about this season so far it's certainly not been dull and we're sure there'll be plenty more twists, turns and probably a statement or four to come in the weeks ahead whether they bring the type of news we want to hear or not remains to be seen but we'll be here either way to cover the latest happenings on all things Celtic. My thanks as always to Miff and to Kenny for joining us on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange and finally our thanks to you for listening. We'll see you again next week. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.